remember we um, we shot something with su support and we wanted to shoot it backwards. And so we needed to, it was like a punch. So we started with here, it flipped the camera upside down, you know, come out of the punch. And then when the film came back, flipped the film over and it looked like a punch coming. And Saporin had to say something, you know, get your project in on time. And he had to say it backwards. <laughs> and then we filmed it this way so we would be able to rewind the thing and I remember that was a big deal you know these kind of effects whereas now it literally is oh, yeah. hey it's yeah. reversed <laughs> and then you had double spracketed film oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you couldn't do it you couldn't do it couldn't do it no couldn't do it anyone under 50 watching this is good. I don't no know idea what you're talking about well no <laughs> You never know. Um, I'm, no tr ice. I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you just hate. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's okay. You don't want a trophy. No. Um, what was the? Oh, I did a um, a split screen once, but I built a set, right? So we used the two flats, right? So that's the one with the jail thing, were you? Um, the bars. No, it was somebody was on a, a, a desk here. And so there was a flat that had a window and another one that had a window. So they were side by side. So the camera was out there shooting it. So there were two windows. So I had two different things happening. People were having a conversation with each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't find that film. <laughs> I can't find that film. It was, I'm so upset about that because that was the other thing. Is now you, you can, can put, put stuff, stuff on YouTube. Well, yeah, you put stuff on YouTube and it's there forever. It. Yeah. I don't know where uh, some of my stuff is. Yeah, that's the story of Bars' life. Is it? There's a lot of things. I'm like, where's that film? Oh, my yeah, yeah, that's right. Like at our house or, you know. I don't know where that is. He has no idea. No idea. No where it is. I was still lost to Jamie's film. Yeah. I lost a lot of stuff. Wow, that's a tough one. It's one thing to lose a friend's film. Your wife. That's a late night conversation. I don't know. You son of a bitch, I lost my film. I get reminded every few months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pull that one. I'm sure it's going to be like when I'm 80. Still haven't forgot you. You lost my. Actually, I found the film I lost to Sam because Sam was in the McNair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was separate from. Yeah. Well, you could recreate the sound. Oh, yeah. Sure. You could recreate the sound. That's easy. How would you even play that now? You couldn't even. I'm trying to think you'd have to send it somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure somebody has it. But the kids now, I have a bunch of kids. I was telling you this. Kids love the idea of shooting film. Well, it's exotic. It's. With a pinhole camera, yeah. Well, I usually, I usually go to the blackboard and go, okay, this is how much it's going to cost. Oh, no, that <laughs> was I run through everything idea. and what the process is, and they go, okay. And there's always one kid who's like, you know, I'm going to do it. Okay. But I, you know, I'm like, please give me a cell phone. I just don't want it. Give me the cell phone. There's cameras with lenses and ISOs that can shoot in the dark. You know, I used to do it. I used to develop all the black and white. Mm -hmm. But it's such a pain. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine it. We have a friend who shoots film now. He's it's when he develops it. God bless him. But, but for him, he's 30. It's, you know, it's the most exciting thing in the world because it's tactile. It's the, I, 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 yeah. I that's the part that. I enjoy. Yeah, it, I understand that. I don't really have the same feeling about digital as I have with film. Because you can't. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Huh? Uh, really yeah, you're really yeah. What about you? He's done. No, I like that. Yeah, me too. I, I, don't, wanna, much I don't want to touch for Heck, like I, I try to describe the process of photography to my middle school students, 
and they get bored halfway through the description <laughs> of what you have to do to, to make, make prints. Yeah, I'm getting to the point now with college kids that in a class, maybe one knows what a negative is or seen it. The rest of them, um, yeah, I, I don't even, I, I, as for fun, I, I used to bring it up. Now I just feel like the old guy talking about the cars when we had had men. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, this is like the generation, yeah, it's breaking up here. That's the winter, no, it was terrible, right? Just we were on a vacation uh, last week and we were in a national park and we got on a bus uh, to go to one of the other destinations and there was a guy on the bus with a large format camera. Mm. On vacation? Yeah. Yes. It was gorgeous. Yeah. I was like really excited to talk to him. And he, he, he opened it up and it had the accordion lens. Did he have a beret and everything too? No, no. But he was... Puffy pants. But he reminded me of Mark. Yeah, I saw Mark. Six months ago, or yeah. maybe, maybe a year ago, I finally sold the eight by ten Dior. Really? I had cherry wood, beautiful. I mean, just a you bug the camera out, and it just took a piece of art. But I can't even imagine Ansel Adams driving that thing. Yeah. You know, with a heavy wooden tripod, and you get one sheet of film. That's it. <laughs> one exposure. And um, so I finally sold it. Something in Japan bought it. Really. Yeah. I want to ask you how much, but where did you get it from? Um, I bought it probably in the 90s. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry, what what format was it? 8 by 10. 8 by 10. 10. Oh, wow. Beautiful chair. How big was it? 8 by 10. Yeah. Negative is we're talking the back camera with the camera. What kind of lens is that? It had three different lenses. Really? Yeah, I forget the, what I had exactly because oh. I used it forever. I was sitting there, I was like, you know what? Just sell it. And Somebody's going to use a lot of my old film lenses, all yeah. Nikon's, a lot in Japan. Really? Yeah, almost everything was sold in Japan. Wow. Put on eBay and it's gone. Do you have any more? No, that's some film left. Film? No, that's some 16 film. I'm sorry, you had some some Nikon's? Nikon. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, is that the Japanese press? I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm a purist, you know, whatever guy. I did. Have a Nikon F, the original F. Did you? Beautiful lenses. Wow. 1.2, 50 lens. Why'd you get rid of it? There wasn't a shit film in it. Oh, yeah, so. so. And of course, now all the new digital cameras, all you want is some old glass. I have a, yeah. I have a black yeah. magic camera. <laughs> right, I have a black magic camera. And um, I have, uh, I've used these. Um, Arjuna lens is on. Just gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. It's so soft and beautiful. And I look at the stuff. And again, I'm not touching film, but because it shoots a raw image, bringing it into uh, color correct and stuff, the image is so beautiful. And the stuff you can do to it and make it just, it's just gorgeous, gorgeous image, image quality. But the lens is what makes it now. The lens yeah, really gives it that just beautiful softness to it. I remember when I was in uh, school, we always wanted to shoot. We were told our cinematography teachers, this uh, guy named Beta Baca, and Beta said, we use these the older lenses, these ingenue lenses you use for close ups of women because of the softness there. <laughs> and I remember like, 
I remember taking that note. Ajinu lens, close up women, like because and then I realized it's like it's close up anybody because it's just it's the quality of it because it's not super sharp. And these lenses now are so freaking sharp, you know, too sharp. And uh, oh, it's just so nice having uh, having that lens. And I have an old lens from an old Pentax camera my dad got me years and years ago. I was up in the head. I was like, wait, it's one half a camera. Pull this lens out. And, uh, yeah, I get an adapter and I put it on there and it's just got this gorgeous image, you know? And it's so unlike every digital image now because it's not sharp. Yeah, that's... It's not sharp. Well, this is not necessarily related, but I just thought of it. When the first HD shells came on, like a 1080 mm -hmm. on TV, one of the first ones was that, remember, Howard had, Stern had that shell. Yeah, 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 sure. And I remember what reading the critique. I don't know what was in New York Times. Somebody reviewed the show. It had nothing to do with the content of the show. It just said these people are too ugly to be in high def. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is a horrible. It's no. That was it. Not touching the content of the show, as you say. Like these people. No one looks good in 1080. No. Get no rid let's get rid of it. I worked on. Um, and I, I, after uh, school, I was I did casting. I was a casting associate with this. Uh, wonderful woman I met named Judy Dennis and she asked me to help her on this project that was uh, it was directed by Julie Taymor who ended up doing um, The Lion King on Broadway and all of this stuff and she's just a huge 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 uh, theater director of course I had no idea who the woman was because that wasn't my world at all and Judy of course was just wonderful and said you know we're working with um uh, Julie Taymor, and by the sound of her voice, I realized this was important. And I told my students this today. I said, "Now, this isn't like I could run into the bathroom and Google somebody, right? <laughs> you, you know, yeah. because now I, I had to literally play it like, oh my God, really? This is extraordinary." And then bit by bit, you know, between her and asking people, I started realizing that she was just a wonderful woman. But the production was this uh, American Playhouse Channel Thirteen PBS show of Edgar Allan Poe's Hot Frog. And mm -hmm. the big thing, obviously, it was a big deal, but it was going to be shot in HD. It was going to be one of the first broadcast An HD um, projects. And I remember thinking, like, I don't, what is HD? High definition. I don't understand. So it's not film and it's not TV. And they had some special HD person from some tech lab in New York who would come, who was overseeing the production, and it was a really big deal, HD. And I remember, wow, it's HD, still no clue what that actually meant, you know. Um, but they were shooting, so no, it's like video, it's like digital film video camera. Remember when it just started, nobody quite knew what to call it, you know? Well, it was, uh, it was digital film, it's like, what, what, what do you call this? Um, but I remember this, the, the cameras and the extent of the discussion of how they were going to shoot it, um, the level of tech, technology that had to be done. So now looking at cell phones and all of that stuff, I just think about that production required all sorts of engineers to be around, to be thinking about, to figure out exactly how the process, I don't even know what it was shot on, obviously it was probably shot on, um, shot on tape somehow. But I remember that was the big, big deal about it. And now, of course, you just shoot everything. Well, when the media, media yeah. TV came out, that was 
what was the Canon ZXO one? Oh, the, no, yeah, 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 yeah. The Soderbergh shot. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the uh, cow. Was it Casino? Not Casino. No, it was. Um, it was in the casino. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, it was shot with a camera, and now that's like. What camera was it? Was it the XL one? The XL one was that it? The GL2 was the cheaper one. The GL2 was the cheaper one. That's what I'm thinking of. Right, the XL one. That's right. That was the professional one. Yeah. That was the professional one. No, that's right. That's right. What was the film? Was that that the Cotation film? That was even before then. Or he shot that on a cell phone or something. Yeah, he's uh, he's amazing where he just grabs the technology shooting on his iPhone. Or I love the fact that he just started being a cinematographer, shooting with the red. He had a great television show called The Nick. Oh, oh my God, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Oh, it was so good. I loved that show, and it got canceled and disappeared. It was really fantastic. And he shot all of that stuff. A lot of it was just beautiful lighting. Oh, it was glorious. Just glorious. I don't know. Yeah. So, after casting, would you do casting for like a year or two? Or it was, like um, one? the first thing I worked on, I worked on, um, it was a summer internship on a CBS show called uh, Separate But Equal. It was about the Brown v. Board of Education case. Sidney Poitier was playing that. Uh, he's going to play Thurgood Marshall. And um, they, they were doing all the casting in, in New York. Alex Gordon, this woman, she's since passed, but she was an old-time New York casting director. Uh, she cast tons and tons of television shows and movies and very, very successful. And this was a big deal because they were hiring black actors. They needed a, a bunch of black actors. So every young black actor in New York was there. And this was, um, they would send a breakdown to all the agents the different roles and the agents would go through their roles and then pull out headshots and submit them and so couriers every day would come and drop off these packages so I had to open up the packages and then take the headshots out and put them in the different roles for the um, casting directors to evaluate I remember one that you saved <laughs> what one picture? you had it for a long time uh, did I really? But I remember Je Jeffrey Wright was, uh, he's, he was a very successful actor, but he was one of them. He was going to NYU, he was an acting student, and I saw him uh, there uh, waiting to come in because I would help the actors come in and out of the room. And, you know, I was just an intern there. And um, George Stevens Jr. was directing it. Oh, right. Okay. His father, James. of course, is right. Is George? He does a lot of the Kennedy Center right. stuff. Yeah, he directs that. Yeah. And Stan Margulies was the uh, producer who produced Willy Wonka. And again, had I had Google at the time, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to know all of this. But at the time, it was how would you find out somebody's credits? I think about think about it was ninety one, and I'm told that Stan Margulies is oh my gosh. What has he done? You know, and it's like, but everybody says it with, you know, but Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Fat. Oh, okay, him, that guy. Yeah, all right. So, you know, and it's George Stevens like, well, I know Junior. Well, I guess his father is the director. So I said, yeah. And, um, but that, that was extraordinary. So, so Jeff Rackham has a fake mustache because he wanted to look older. And I remember he was like, well, what do you think of this? And I, and I said, um, I said, well, you know, a lot of the uh, young attorneys who worked on that case, they were in their 20s, so, you know, it's okay to look young. You know, they might, and, and he 
took the mustache off. <laughs> he got the role, so I like to think that it was because of you. And he's had to say, he of course probably has no memory of this. You should have gotten <laughs> I remember that. That's right. That, that was my. Uh, that, that's yeah. I was important there. But the, but the thing about that role was, um, I learned about deal memos. So if an actor was cast. Um, they then had to fill out a, we had to fill out a deal memo. So Stan, who was the director, would talk to the agent, and everything was the sad minimum plus 10. And I learned that, that whatever the minimum was at the time was $800 a week or something, plus 10% for the agent. Stan would write this up, and then I saw him at a typewriter typing it in, and I said, I can do that for you, because I know how to type. And he was like, oh, and so that became part of my was like to type some of these up and I remember seeing this in favorite nations and I learned all of this stuff with of course Judy and Alex were doing all the heavy lifting I was just kind of there in the office um, but it was extraordinary to see all these people come through and it kind of just take in how the operation works I was there for some of the auditions to see how the director worked with them the respect that actors should be afforded so in my classes when we do casting i always say you know the most vulnerable person is the actor there on set that's who you have to protect don't jump behind the camera and worry about that and bark out orders you get away from behind the camera talk to the actor and that helped me kind of understand and really appreciate the fact that if you have a scene and you have trained actors i can work something out with you, let you do it, and if you're well trained, you're trying to make it better. And so even, so I, I don't usually have a shot list, like I have an idea of kind of what I want to do, but I don't know what you want to do in this space. So I got very good at watching you, working through a rehearsal with you, and then quickly figuring out, okay, we need a master, why don't we put it over there, and then we'll get a close up here, but not coming in and going, our first shot is the camera's gonna be here, and actor, I need you to do this and kind of be this person to stand here, say your line here, and you know, your students telling actors, no, say it like this, I need you to be like this and here, because I know exactly what I'm, no. no. But let the actor just be free, and I learned all of that stuff from, you know, you cast well, and you have well-trained acting, just let them go, and you have work out a conversation with them, and to let them ask, try, what, what does it look like if you don't use your hands? Oh, okay. And it's a challenge for the actor to kind of, maybe they'll give you some, what happens if you stand up, you know? Yeah, you need to prowl a little more, you know? And what is that? What, what, what will that look like? And so then it's like, stand back and let them do it. And then maybe you go, let's move the camera over there. Or the DP at that point might move the camera and go, hey, Chris, over here, what, what do you think of this? And then suddenly, you know, and you can get through it pretty quickly, and then it feels good, and everybody feels like they're a part of the process, rather than, this is my shot list. And that comes from filmmaking one that I had at Montclair State where I had storyboards. We had yeah, to do that, storyboards. That's it's almost a, I don't even want to use it because it really limits. It. We were told we had to have storyboards and I remember I was in a study hall in Blanton Hall and I had my storyboards all, you know, 60 of them or whatever. <laughs> and I remember I was figuring out all my shots and I was working on it. Was exactly what was going to happen. This guy was carjacking some girl in the parking lot, you know. <laughs> and I remember I worked this all out. And there was a snowstorm, and I had to figure out uh, how to how to do it with snow. It completely ruined everything, and I realized why did I waste all of that time doing that when, in fact, I was going to sit there and kind of work it out. So the storyboards helped me figure out, but I was like, I know the shots I need, and that ended up being there. It's, it might be a necessity for the first time, but I'm almost afraid to recommend people using it because it kind of limits you and you get yeah. locked into yeah. that. And, locked into it and, and then you don't 
communicate with the actors because you realize it's my shot. Is there, yeah, well, <laughs> you, you it goes back to us staring at the monitors. What's what's happening here? But I also, I know there are some people that that's how they work. So my friend Lee Boldy, he's a storyboard artist. He would sketch out everything, and that that for him is how he thinks about it. So that becomes the starting point. Yeah, and, and then he, that becomes like, okay, this is what I want. Let's try this, and then we can kind of go. And I realized, you know, so long as you're respectful of the actors and what they do, and you can make up your mind. The other thing is, if you have too many, too many things, and you can't make up your mind, and then DP's talking, and the DP's talking to the actor, which is like, no, DP, don't talk to my actors. The actors don't talk to me. If you need something to say to the actor, you talk to me. I talk to them. Like that, that doesn't work. You don't bark out orders unless it's something real particular where where their eye line has to be. Then you can listen. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear from you. And sound person, just back away. I don't want to hear from you at all. And it better sound great. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Because the director has to be in charge. But, you know, that collaborative nature of how things should work out. And, you know, that's the thing. So if you need a storyboard to, to help you get to that place, I understand that. I, I just, for me, I really like just the freedom of just kind of working. I'd rather spend 20 minutes figuring out what this scene is going to be. And then in five minutes, you figure out what the camera's going to be. It'll be like, kind of maybe. I mean, there's exceptions to everything, but the action yeah. scenes you probably want to see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. Right, right. You, know, you want some strange, right. Detrimental things yeah. to lock yourself into yeah. a rigid kind of Right. But in talking to a lot of um, actors, I remember I had a conversation with an um, acting professor. I forget how it was, but he was saying that um, a lot of the actors are now being informed that directors don't know how to direct actors. And so don't expect your director to help you get to a place. You need to come with a clear idea of what your character is and what you're going to do, because your director is going to give you basic instructions, faster, slower, stand here, that kind of thing. They're never going to help you kind of find a moment and kind of build towards something. And uh, I mean, that's hard to do. That actually requires something more than a YouTube video. It requires actually using actors and doing all that. But the one thing the kids have is time. And it's cheap, it's free, practically, to make movies. So I shouldn't be watching bad performances. A lot of times they don't use the actors, they use the friends. The friends. And that's the worst thing you can do. It's like, yeah, but I'm good Well, I, I always have, you know, students will come in and suddenly, you know, it's a comedy, right? And, you know, here comes Stephanie. Stephanie comes into a scene and. Student falls out laughing. I go, I don't know Stephanie. Yeah, I don't, when, when Stephanie does that thing with her eye, I don't know what that is, and it doesn't mean anything. You go back to starring some guy you've never heard of. I don't know. You know, figure out a way to get me into your club. Like, help, help me come in. I want to laugh with you. But if you're just making movies for your friends, well, don't don't show me. Like, don't, go make them. And yeah, it's for your friends. I don't, I don't need to see it. I don't need to see it. I don't need to see that crap. Yeah, Back to the old crash in the corner. Yeah, yeah, I think for a moment we got out of there. <laughs> yeah, this, last year I took a class with, uh, with acting. Um, oh, did you? We yeah. combined uh, acting students and film students together. And it worked for the good ones. I don't know. Oh, yeah, the ones really, yeah. yeah I, but I think the ones who actually understood the point got a lot out of it. But see, I also, and I, 
We don't do that, and I really want to. They do it in the, our television area. Well, we did it on our own. Yeah, see, I, I would, I would like to do something like that, but I, my worry is the feel, the feel, and the students do it informally um, because a lot of the actors end up working in on the student films. Um, but I also, I, I wonder if there are some things that when you're teaching art that they're not just, they're not going to get right away. They're going to get in a year or two. After they well, do, it's and probably so, those things you do in school you're not going to get right away. But, um, no, but but something like that where you're working with it's like what you're saying. Like they're not, they're just not going to understand. It's not all going to come together for them. Well, I think I mean you never know what's in people's heads, and you get those comments for the class, you know, like, and some you got like, oh, okay, this person got why this was the way it was, but it was also the first time we did it, so it's not like right. something that we. But see, that, that's, that's what I think, and I, I, whatever the students' evaluations, I don't give a shit about any of those, because, because a, a, a lot of what you end up learning, because there's a lot of stuff that I now appreciate about my education, that at the time, I was like, uh, I took an acting class, and I thought it was the biggest piece of shit I ever had, and I remember, I, I, I went back and told the professor, I was terrible in your class, I hated it, but boy, I, I used more information from that class than any other. Well, that's one of the reasons we did it, too, is we made the, the film students go through acting exercises, mm -hmm. we made the, the acting students try to kind of see what's going on from the planning point. Right. Maybe that was boring to them because it's not what they want to do, but at least you understand why certain things were happening, and, and same thing yeah. for you would hope that the film students understood what the actors going through, so they can relate better on set than right. their own yeah. set. Yeah. So, now of course, the first time we did it, and there was a lot of stuff that would change if you did it again, but yeah. Yeah, I think it was an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if two or three people stay in contact with each other, then... Well, that's the other thing you hope that they... That they figure it out, work together, yeah, yeah. Because it's a class, like that's the product of a class. Should not be like your masterpiece, right? So you learn, but then you have a whole summer. If you're a college student, go make it. You spend three months doing it if you want. But I make a bunch of little films. Whatever, more. So then you did your first feature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, you were there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and we shot. We did that. That's right. And we uh, we shot that. We. Uh, well, I just remember when you directed the the music video video in in Harlem, and I don't know what happened to that kid. But remember, he was taking all of us to the promised land. He was going to be huge, and he kept. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When I get big, all you guys are coming. You're coming like, with like, me. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, what video? Like that was because we shot one down by. It was somewhere in Harlem. I don't know. I don't it was like I just remember one shot. There was a couple of kids and, and you had a light bulb flying around. I don't remember this. And there was uh, I, I don't know. It's a long time ago, but I remember the guy who thought that he was gonna be like yeah, 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 or so whatever. Funny. And he was taking all of us to everybody. Everybody was make it rain. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and we're like. Like, Dude, we're, we're making a low budget like, music, music like, what video. What are you talking about? The, <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, I've told that story before, but it's funny. I don't, I, you know, it's, it's. I had a, um, there was a, um, I've told the same story for 20 years, right? Exact same story for 20 years. It was about graduating from film school. Alec Baldwin graduated with me. 
right? Alec Baldwin. He had already finished, but he hadn't done his final thing, so he wrote a paper, and he finally got his degree, and he happened to be walking with my class, and I've told the story a thousand times, that he, this was right after he did Hunt for Red October, and didn't do Patriot Games, right? He didn't do Patriot Harrison Ford took over for him. So we were walking to Washington Square Park where graduation was, and he was right in front of us, and I remember screaming out to him, you know, you're the real Jack Ryan, you're the real Jack Ryan. And I'll, t- I'll tell the story, and I said, I have a picture that my friend Lee Bolia was with me, that Lee took this picture. I told the story a thousand times. So, in the house, telling my wife, Hey, I told the students the story of Alec Baldwin and graduation when Lee took this picture. And my wife says, he didn't take that picture. I did. I said, how did you take that picture? She goes, because I was standing right next to you. I was with you when you graduated. I go, no, but you were in education. I was in art. And she goes, yeah, but I was hanging out with you guys. You guys had, like, you know, mimosas and stuff before graduation, so I was hanging out with you. I took the picture, and she pulls out the picture, that's what I realized you were saying before your memory is, so I don't know. I have no idea what the hell happened, I'm sorry. Memory is reliable at all. just no memory whatsoever. Yeah, so I don't remember, so this story about the rat video, I don't, I don't know what we did one, but we did one, yeah, I'm trying to think, I don't even know. Okay, yeah, and then I was convinced it was. Convinced. I know, I know. All of us, they were all going to be. Yeah, all <laughs> like, of everybody. I'm thinking, even if you make it, if you do this, you'd be broken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you'll be MC Hammer, right? Yeah, that's it. Like, be, why are you thinking you'll be me? Why, why do you care about me? I'm just, setting up the lights. Yeah, <laughs> all I want is a meal today. You know, that's it. I just want some experience. I'm looking, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, Asbury Park. We made that. That was... You know, low budget, $35,000. And when you go to Asbury Park now. We, you remember this. Yeah. You went there. We were no hypodermic needles. Crackheads. Crackheads. Crack it was, it was just, all, I, when we go down there, I show my son. I go, this is beautiful now. True. When we were shooting here, this was a dangerous, scary place. Yeah, I don't know. Dangerous. Just, it was stark and shot out. Well, it's not like that at all. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He got one time in the pool. With the guns. With the guns. <laughs> with the guns. <laughs> with the guns. <laughs> with the guns. And then you saw the crackheads peeking through right. the window, yeah. and yeah. you see, like, you guys yeah. dressed up in, like, you know, thug th- 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 outfits, right. with guns, and they're still ducking because they thought that was real. No, no, yeah. This is what good old days. You just shoot now. A lot of cops showed up. No, nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. You try to do that now? Forget it. We we uh we tell students we can't we can't do that. No weapons. There's a no weapon rule. If you do that, automatic F. Hell no, man. That was yeah. Automatic F fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. That was fun. Yeah, that was that was a fun shoot. Yeah, that was yeah. That was, we had no money, but we had great locations and good food, and it was over quick. It was 16 yeah, days, was something like that. Quick, yeah, two, uh, two weeks shoot, and that was who it. Who was your neighbor? The, the portly gentleman. Tim. <laughs> Tim. Tim Mock. Yeah, I've used, I used him in a film like two years ago. His sweetheart, if I remember. Yeah. When he ended up on Conan O'Brien as a Cuban? Yes. And he yeah, didn't know yeah, 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 yeah. there was going to be Cuban? <laughs> 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 he got hired for a job. Yeah, he got hired for a job. 
I don't really remember the story other than him telling us. And I remember he just told everyone I, I was going to be a part of the plan, but you didn't and know, he didn't know what the plan was, and he ended up being in a, a diaper, a, in, a, in a champagne glass, <laughs> as stupid, a Rubenesque, as stupid, as a grown man, as the wheel of the mouth in the giant glass. There he is, and his stupid wings. Yeah, yeah. Imagine he told everyone he's going to be a part of the plan. Yeah, he's really super talented. Um, I used him. He played a father who has uh, Alzheimer's. He was fantastic. I always, I, I wish I wrote more parts for him. He's still in New York. Yeah, he lives. He's, no, he still lives more in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he started doing. He started um, teaching, like using the acting skills, teaching people, like business people, like oh, performance like stuff. Like presentations and all that's that's right, right, right. Which is great because he's well trained. He knows how to do that stuff. Well, it's the same yes, it's, yeah, right, 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 right. So, um, that's yeah, smart. yeah. So I'm trying to think. Yeah, so that film, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, but it was it was one of those things where again, that was the cheapest you could make a film was about thirty thousand yeah, dollars, considering like, film. And food and processing and all of that stuff. Now I'm trying to think of what. Yeah, yeah, that that was for free, right? And now I'm trying to think how much money you would need to make a feature. And I don't know because you would shoot on your own cards, and I don't know what you'd be spending your money. If you already have a camera, if you already have a camera, you can find a friend with a camera. It's not just the food. It's the food, right? Right. Transportation, right? And if you're using locations you already have, it's use your own house, right? Right. Right. No, no, no. No. And and not paying actors and all. Right. Right. If you're doing the same circumstances. Because everything was filmed and developing. That was it. That was it. Filming filming food. Well, there was a. It's a bad name, so I read like a book with audio book. This is audio book. The guy who made a movie for 500 bucks. Someone's shooting the movie for 500 bucks. I think it's called The Cube. And it's, I sold it to Netflix. We made it for like five hundred bucks. Right. Now I, I didn't see the movie, so good. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the other thing, if you're dealing with a genre, right, like a horror film, yeah. everybody now is making a horror film. Well, you know what? If you start now, that's a smart move. You can get away with so much. Yeah. People accept certain but things. I, see, but here's the thing: because there are so many of them made, it needs to really have a. There needs to be something. Well, special. But people would watch it. There's a built-in audience. Yeah. So if you start now, if you can put effort in writing a drama or comedy or, or whatever, why not do the first one as a horror? Because you people accept you can get away with a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you couldn't do in a drama. That you couldn't do in right. you know you can get away with semi bad actors in a horror film. Right. You're not going to get away with the, with the drama. With the drama, yeah. It's not yeah. Gonna happen. I don't know. I, I'm not a, a horror fan. Um, but I, I, I get see I, I, I react more towards students I'm going to do horror well, and, because any, like. any ideas but their ideas are shitty no, they're, they're just really, well it's the zombies <laughs> that was it for a while on Walking Dead and everybody's making a zombie film it's like, enough already I go, I'm so sick of the undead like just make somebody alive and unless you're going to do something I just watched A Quiet Place which is fantastic. I don't see the jar machine yeah. film. I, I didn't oh, see yeah, that. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, what happened to that movie? It's coming out. It's out. It came what out. was it? Uh, the jar movie. The Dead Don't Die? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. it. Oh, what was it? A lot of fun. Yeah. I want to see yeah. it. I love this stuff. They break the fourth wall almost immediately. Do they really? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I got to go see it. 
I don't like. I don't like art. I don't like breaking my bones. You're literally ticking off I'm everything I don't like. Yeah, yeah, everything I don't like in movies. You know what? With with but Drag Race, he's dead. Yeah, you come up with most. If you just read the blurb, how they describe his work, yeah, you would think this is insane. It's something I don't want to see. But then you see what it is. Yeah, and you're like, this is great. But if you just look at the one sentence, the blurb or something, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, most of them, not all. Uh, but I remember when Ghost Dog came out. Ghost Dog. Yeah. Remember Ghost Dog? Wasn't that Rizzo in that? Yeah, 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 the first time he did the same. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. if you didn't know who made the film, yeah, and you, you just saw that, like remember the paper back when they had papers, the, the kids, paper, <laughs> the actual paper. The sentence was something like, "Forrest Whitaker plays a black samurai in Jersey City." Yeah. You're like, who wants to see like, this? Why would I want to see this? Like, Jim right. But when like, you see who made the film, you go like, oh, okay, ah, now I got okay. you. Right. Whatever this right. description right. is, I'm and sure it, it doesn't make a little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. really funny. You can't really describe yeah. his work in one sentence, so it even make yeah. any sense out of it. Well, gentlemen. So what else should we talk about? I think we've said it all. No? <laughs> Did you ever mention your uncle? That was a Howard Stern reference. <laughs> that was a, that was a Howard Stern reference. Did you see the least video? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> lecturing his... I, I gotta tell you, I, uh, I was like, well, okay. It, it, was, I, it, it makes all the sense in the world, you know? I, I thought it was... Uh, I liked the comments that people had because they were hilarious. Yeah, I, I, but, but see, I don't know. I, you don't get to be Howard Stern and maintain that level of excellence of where his show is and how his show transitioned um, to what it is without being really clear. And I think when he was talking about having Rush Limbaugh on the show, I didn't watch the thing, whole thing, yeah. but I watched just, a little bit. And yeah. Like, and I like the comments that people had, like, oh, my manager and Walgreens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, but that, again, I, yeah, I, I read those and I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't, but I just. Uh, was, not to interrupt you, but before I forget, mm -hmm. the best comment was the worst TED talk ever. Yeah, I saw that one, yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I don't know. I think he made all the sense in the world. He was saying that, you know, we want A-list guests and how do we do them? Like Rush Limbaugh. How do we do one of our staff? We have one conservative guy here. Maybe he reaches out to him and say, Rush. You know, I'm a lone conservative here on this show. We'd love to have you on there. I was like, okay, that makes sense. It really was all about uh, for t taking away Howard's persona, and if you buy into that. But the guy who navigated his career and made these choices, you know, in terms of a, somebody who wants to get to another place, and what it takes to kind of take back, just what we were saying before, and evaluate where you are and how you get there. It's not what, I mean, I stopped listening a long time ago. Right. So, what I thought that was, it, you just, it's not what it used to be. Kind of yeah, but right? I mean, but everything but changes. I mean, but so, it's the idea yeah. that he's still going to no, no, be. That, I, it just doesn't, no, I, I listen to him all the time. Yeah, you do. I was, I've always I've listened to him since I was in sixth grade. And I, I stopped when he went to series. I had series for maybe a year. Yeah. No, his show is as good as it. Uh, name, it makes me laugh uncontrollably. Sometimes I still appreciate it. The idea that you know he doesn't do the sophomore humor. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. Once Jackie left, yeah, I missed the white trash. No, no, no. no. <laughs> 
you know, and how he doesn't use certain words now and all that stuff. I appreciate that. You know, it's okay. If he was still doing the same stuff that made me laugh when I was in 11th grade at 52, I don't want to hear that shit. I guess, like, give me a break. I don't want to hear it. But you banned Gilbert. Come on. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I don't know what happened. But who cares? It's just, man, this is my thing. It's like, you know, he gets to do what he wants. He gets to do what he wants, I named all my pets. Here's the weird thing, though. Gilbert Godfrey was huge, but what happened to him? He just disappeared. He made the one joke. He made the one the one joke about the tsunami, and that was it. He got dropped from from everything. So horribly funny. You know? And you knew that was going to be You just forget it, you know? I don't know. I want to Google. Still think about that. Yeah. Now, yeah. So I don't listen to... I'm trying to think. I, I listen know. to Imus now. Is, is he alive? No. <laughs> oh, he's alive. He's, he's not on the radio. He's not on the radio. That's no, what no, I'm, I yeah, can hear. Yeah, no, I'm not. I was thinking, wait a second. Yeah, Imus. He's driving his house. I listen to radio all the time. I, yeah. I stopped. You did? I pretty much listen to books and tape. Oh, books and tape. Once again, oh I'm 90 God, years old. Jeez, Louise, what is that? I'm looking at eight tracks in my car. No, I listen to radio all the time. I wake up at five. I listen to Morning Edition for an hour. Usually, I usually listen to you know, two hours of that, the whole show in the morning. I used to listen to WNYC, but then after Trump won, um, it turned into resistance radio. It's like every day, it's like the fascists in the white. It's like oh god. And then so then they'll have a guest on talking about I, I don't know talking about Jim Jarmusch movies. And I'm like, oh, I love Jim Jarmusch. Okay, let, let's hear what they have to say in the first thing. And there's a, they're talking vampires and killing them. The one looked like Trump, and then it goes on. It's like everything. It's like, it's the kind of rules their life. It's like, I'm they're obsessed with it. Like, settle down. Just like, what? He's, he's, Trump has made, um, even the columnist, in the, Charles Blow writes for the New York Times. I used to read his stuff. Now, every week, it's the same article. It's the same article. Trump has done this magical job at making no people who were once talented, no talents, because they have nowhere else to go. And I just turned. I just, well, what do they call I can't the Trump, Trump derangement syndrome. It's true, apparently. It's like, they can't, I thought it was like a joke at first. No. I was so obsessed with it. I can't listen to, I had to stop watching, I never was a big John Stewart fan, but uh, that and the Colbert. You know, I can't watch. That's just I tried. I, I felt bad. I was like, you know what? Let me. I'll give the show another chance, right? Yeah, he lives here. Let me watch. Maybe it's me. Let me. And it was right when they had removed Trump's name off of something. And I turned it on. And like, and we have some footage here. They just took Trump's name off of a building. You see some. Working, chiseling it off. Like Saddam's statue. Yeah, and, 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 and Colbert's Colbert comments, yeah, take it down. Take, and the audience is cheering. And I said, okay, I just, is this comedy? Like, I don't, and I just, uh, no. just give me something else. You know. That's it. I was like, I just can't be bothered with this enough already. Like, I just want to laugh. Or like, um, look, I'll give me a Trump joke, but it's got to be original. Like, well, you can't. Norm MacDonald. Had the best what was response to that. I forget what show. It was something on YouTube. So somebody asked him about the jokes and the comedy and how come it was. And he's like, well, I don't do any Trump jokes. And he said, well, I have one, but it's more of a Hillary joke than a Trump joke. And he kept like, no, it's a second. And he goes, that Americans hated Hillary so much 
devote it to somebody they hated more. That's it. That's it. No more jokes. No more jokes. No more jokes. Yeah. The norm's brilliant. Yeah. He sure did. John Mulaney, the writer from Saturday Night Live, does a bunch of stand-ups on Netflix. He had this this hilarious one about Trump, which was... Um, <laughs> Trump is like, the elephant is loose in our hospital. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> it's like, the elephant is an elephant in our hospital. It was brilliant. It was hilarious. It was on, but it was funny rather than, I just, that, that just annoys me. But go, going back to radio, so yeah. 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 You mentioned your uncle. Oh, my uncle Fred, yeah. He, uh, Wrote a lot of the uh, my my wife would make a joke like every great song with Boogie in it he wrote. He, wrote, <laughs> yeah, he started writing uh, for the Jackson Five when he was a kid. Um, you know, writing uh, listed as the corporation was the writers. It was this was after uh, Holland Dozier Holland were writers in Motown and they as writers became famous. So the, the way it's been told to me, I don't know how true this is. But it makes sense that when the new writers came for the Jackson 5, Barry Gordy, rather than have their name listed, they listed it as the corporation. And the so corporation, nobody, nobody would know who the writers were, yeah. And so, but he wrote a lot of their early hits, and then, um, you know, I Want You Back, and ABC, and all of that stuff. And then um, he did the soundtrack for Cooley High, which was exciting, because when I went for the Spike, Spike had a huge Cooley High poster there, and I said, uh, oh yeah, Freddie Perrin did the music, I, that, that's my uncle, he said, that's your uncle, and he was like, yeah, that's my uncle, and uh, yeah, and that's when I realized, I mean, that, that film has such meaning in the black community, it was a great film, yeah, it's a classic film, and um, yeah, and then he did a uh, song for uh, Saturday Night Fever, um, he produced a couple of songs for uh, that. One of them was the Tavares version of More Than a Woman. And the way, I was nine in California, I spent the summer out there, and they were doing the music uh, for this. And um, <laughs> so we used to spend all day at the recording studio, right? And this was in this big recording studio, and my uncle was cool, was smoking back there with all these guys. I, I didn't really care because I was just a kid, and they had this water jug, like a Poland Springs thing, and I just remember it was hot water and cold water. I never saw anything like that. I had tea all the time. And um, they got a three-quarter inch tape of the scene, and I guess each producer was supposed to place the song for the scene. So it was the scene in Saturday Night Fever, and they were putting the Tavares version of More Than a Woman in this scene. And I remember I was told to get out of the recording studio. Okay. So I leave the recording studio and I'm sitting outside and I wanted to go back in. I remember I came back in and I walk in and it's a scene in a strip bar. So there's a woman dancing with her, with her, with her, with her breasts doing this thing. And I walked in and my eyes just went open. I remember my uncle leaving, get him out of here, you know, because that's where, and when you see the movie, that's where the, um, that's where that scene is. And so, uh, yeah, but anyway, my uncle was just great. He was a fantastic musician and all of that. Hello. Hmm. All right. Should we wrap it up? I think so. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Boris. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Going down memory lane. Yeah. And clearing up that one memory. That's right. The the Lori took a picture. That's right. The Lori took a picture of Alec Baldwin. No, the one. Though you were saying that. 
The music video. Oh, yeah. Making it rain guy. Making it rain guy. I didn't know you were there. And I still don't know. I got to contact Lee and try and remember. Well, usually Lee and I were the only minders. <laughs> not, 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 not that house. Yeah, right. I'm trying to think because we made a video for Lady Spice oh, Down at, uh, by um, Battery Park. Yeah, thank you. Down at Battery Park. And uh, that wasn't the one, though. No, it was, I think this was somewhere in this, like a. You said it was up in Harlem. Some, some brownstone. I mean, yeah, yeah. Now it's probably Billy Bob. Gorgeous house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But back then, yeah, back then it was still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 one of those things. All right. All right. Very good. Thank you. All right. Very good. All right, gentlemen.